you have a Bible, we'll start off in Mark 11, 22 to 24. We've been on the topic, have your own faith. You know, when, when we were worshiping the Lord, I thought maybe I ought to mention to him, sometimes I repeat myself because what we've been on is important. Sometimes I repeat myself because as I go along and study, I get greater revelation on maybe what I dealt with last week or last Sunday. Uh, I don't repeat myself because I'm forgetful. <laughs> I'm not like you know who, amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, pastor knows where he is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I've already covered that with the Lord, by the way, that I'm not going to live one minute past my brain working. Amen. Amen. You know, people think that the Bible says there's a set time. Well, you have a part to play in that, but that's different Wednesday night. So we've been talking about have your own faith. And we've been saying that everyone should build their own faith life. I think it's a wonderful thing when you can count on the faith of someone else. You know, during the COVID pandemonium, we had a relative, and uh, she actually went to the hospital. And, you know, they put her on that poison. I won't call the name of the drug. And uh, I prayed a prayer that I learned from Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. Lord, I need her. Because Sue needs her. And if I need her and Sue needs her, well, then you need her. And then a couple of months, two or three months later, we had a key employee uh, catch this bug. And the Lord, before I ever thought about it, I mean, before I even thought about praying the prayer, the Lord spoke to me in prayer the next morning, said, that won't work with her. See, because she's been taught. So thank God when we can play a key role in someone's miracle or healing. But if they've been born again a while, the Lord expects them to grow. You know, if you have a four-year-old and they don't know their multiplication table up to 12 times 12, that's understandable. But if you have a 14-year-old and they don't know their multiplication up to 12 times 12, well, now that's a problem. Do you understand? And so we understand human development. The Lord expects us to grow. And so we've been answering the question for several weeks now, how do we build our own faith? And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And so, Jesus exhorts his followers then and now, have faith in God. And he gives us a little how-to formula. I think it was in the month of August on a Wednesday night, I mentioned this is on my mind while I'm speaking, it's coming back to me. It's on my mind every week. There's not a week goes by that's not on my mind. The wonderful, wonderful people we know from the past, and they're not very blessed at all. And many of them have spent a lifetime preaching the gospel, spent a lifetime living for the Lord, spent a lifetime doing the work of God. Somebody might say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're special. No, it can't be that because both in the Old and New Testaments, we find out God is no respecter of persons. Amen. And so the, I always come back to this. Jesus said, have faith in God. You know, you can live a Christian life and not really have faith in God. You can have faith for salvation, but not have faith for healing. You can have faith for salvation and not have faith for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can have faith for salvation and not have faith for success. You can have faith for salvation and not have faith for prosperity. So these are different. It's almost like different things in the garden. You see, if you don't plant any tomatoes, you're not going to get any tomatoes. 
And you can have tomatoes, but you might not have cucumbers. Does that make sense? You could have lettuce, but you might not have corn. So we have a part to play in this whole process. The power of God is in the Word of God. And it's only as we take action on the Word of God that we can build our faith. The power of God is in the Word of God, and it's only as we take action on the Word of God that we can build our faith. So we're saying at Faith Christian Center, the power of God is in the Word of God. And so the higher we esteem the Word of God, the more answers to prayer we will receive and the more miracles we will receive if and when we need them. I try and live my life to not need a miracle. You know, we were maybe two-thirds, three-fourths through the meltdown, and uh, it finally began to dawn on me what was happening. And so I had the office do a search, and it was pretty amazing. But every so many months during that meltdown, because we weren't making it. Now, you never heard me say that. But uh, a $200,000 miracle would come in. A quarter of a million dollar miracle would come in. A $300,000 miracle would come in. I mean, it was just amazing. And that's great. And I'm so grateful, sir. But I could live the rest of my days and not need another miracle. I'd just soon avoid the pressure. Amen? And, uh, but I'm very grateful. Hallelujah. Amen. I've stood in the valley of death twice. And you don't want to do that. And the Lord... The Lord answered me both times, but I just soon not go back. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm strong in the, in the Lord and in the power of his might, so, you know, I'm good to go. But I try and live my life to where I don't, I don't need another miracle. Amen. Amen. But if I need one, I know I have one. Amen. Does that make sense? So God is a faith God, and if you should ever want to walk with this God and receive from him, you'll have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. You'll have to learn how to walk by the word of God and the recreated spirit man within you, not by what you can see, taste, touch, hear, see, or smell. Might have said one of those twice. Otherwise known as sense knowledge in order to receive from God. Now, this is Sue's copy, and I'm sure there's a new cover now, but if you don't have the two kinds of knowledge, you're doing yourself a disservice. E.W. Kenyon, I don't know if we have it, but I think you can get it on Amazon. E.W. Kenyon did a smart thing in his lifetime. He set up a foundation, and I don't know how it's funded or how they keep trucking, but that's why his books are still in print. Poor A.A. Allen the only way his book stayed in print was R.W. Schambach uh, kept printing them. But then when R.W. Schambach passed, then that was the end of the A.A. Allen book. So thank God you can still get this, the two kinds of knowledge. And he talks about, he talks about sense knowledge. What is sense knowledge? Well, sense knowledge is what we, the information we acquire through our brain by what we can see, taste, touch, hear, or smell five senses. I love the way John Osteen used to teach it. By the way, what a crying shame because years ago they had a fire at their warehouse in Houston and everything is lost. So if you have any John Osteen cassettes or DVDs or videos, uh, put them on eBay and I'll buy them. Amen. But anyway, the point is, because it's, I've got just a few things of his, and there's some of it on YouTube, but you can't get it. And it's, that's a real crying shame. But anyway, I love the way John Osteen used to teach this, because he would say, you have the five senses, and then he would say, but there's a sixth sense. I think he did a book on the sixth sense of faith. And uh, so there is a way to perceive there's a way to gather information beyond these five senses, but the unsaved man doesn't know about that. But for you and I, and it's a shame for a born-again person to only walk by those five senses. Now, there's a time to walk by those five senses. I sat down last night before I went to bed, and I 
owed a couple of people money, and I, I wrote out a check and, you know, printed the envelope, put the check in there, put the stamp on to carry out to the box this morning. I did all of that without revelation knowledge. I did all of that without consulting the Bible. I did all of that without a word from the Lord. Amen. When you cross the street, you see the little icons there. You know, it's a good time to walk by sight, right? Amen. Don't close your eyes and believe God and step out. <laughs> so there's a time to walk by sight, but then there's a time that that won't do at all. And you have to walk by revelation knowledge. So where does revelation knowledge come from? But revelation knowledge comes from the holy written word of God, the Bible. And revelation knowledge comes by the Holy Spirit of God into our recreated human spirit. The problem is, and it's not me that has this challenge or you that has this challenge. We all have this challenge because the Bible says, Paul says in the King James that that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the treasure is the recreated human spirit. The treasure is the born again experience. The treasure is the Holy Spirit of God, but it is in an earthen vessel. And so a lot of times our mind, well, it's actually more than the mind. A lot of times our soul gets in the way. What is the soul? The mind, the will, the emotions. And your soul wasn't born again. I mean, I know we talk about saving souls, but your mind, your will, and emotions weren't born again. That's why you got to do something with your body. That's why you got to do something with your mind. That's why you have to do what you can to rein in your emotions. We have to do something in these areas because our mind, our will, our emotions was not born again. That's why Paul says, think about such things. In other words, you have to direct your mind because your mind can lead you toward God or your mind can lead you away from God. So when we receive a word from the Lord, we have to take that word from the Lord and compare it to the written word of God, the Bible, to make sure we heard correctly. Amen. And then a lot of times, look, you're not the only person that deals with guilt. A lot of times things come to me and I think it's guilt. I feel bad about somebody not having anything. I feel bad about another ministry not making it. But, but that me feeling something is not a rhema Christos. Me feeling something is not a word from the Lord. So a lot of times when I have some bright idea, I will say to the Lord, if that's you, you bring that back to me. So I'm going to set that aside unless you bring it back to me. And a lot of times he doesn't because it was my bright idea. And what, you know what I've discovered about my bright ideas? The Lord will let me pay for them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Now, if he gives me a word from the Lord and says, give that money there or do this or that, he'll cover me. But if it's my bright idea, then I pay for it. And so that's why I've learned if, if there's any uncertainty at all, you know, I'll say, Lord, I'm going to set that aside. But if that's you, you bring that back to me. If you, only, if you will not only read the word of God and believe the word of God and confess the word of God out of your mouth and take action and act like the word of God is so, act like the word of God is true in your life, well, your faith will grow and your own faith will bring to you the answer to prayer or the miracle that you need. Father God encourages us to act upon his word, to be doers of the word, to take action on the word. And coming right through here is where I've gotten more revelation just in the last seven days. James 1.22, of course, but be doers of the word of God, not hearers only deceiving or deluding yourselves. Let me ask you a question. Uh, if somebody's self-deluded, would it be easier or harder to deceive them? Seems to me it'd be easier. In other words, if they're coming out of the gate self-deceived, it seems to me it'd be easier to deceive them. The NIV says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I've been meditating on this in the last few days. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, why? 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 
This is why people who ignore the exhortations and commands of God do so at their own peril. Because oftentimes God doesn't give you the why. There's great revelation right here. He comes along and he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. He doesn't give you the why. Now we know, we know the damage it can cause. We know you give up your assets. We know you waste money on attorneys. No offense to attorneys here. We, we know, we know uh, children blame themselves, even though it's not their problem. They didn't do it, but they do. They tend to blame themselves. We know that the dropout rates and suicide rates and incarceration, incarceration, incarceration rates are higher. Now, that doesn't mean any of us are going to experience that. I'm saying statistically, just because something's a statistic doesn't mean it's going to happen in your life. But I'm saying we understand the damage. We understand the why. But when he, said, when he gave it to Moses, he didn't explain it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Kaboom. And of course, when you love, that's why, that's why I've been meditating on this. I think that's why both in the Old and New Testaments, Jesus quoted the Old Testament, of course, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your, because if you love the Lord, <clears throat> you're, you're not just going to chafe and rebel at every exhortation. You know, the advantage of having lived a while is we've seen a lot. And I remember when David Wilkerson in the 70s did a little booklet. He called, you know, they were called radio booklets. He did a little booklet and it was called The Commandments of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, hell broke loose. And of course, the world doesn't care what David Wilkerson's writing or about the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. So where did hell break loose? Among God's people. Like it was some great big horror flick that somebody would dare say that Jesus gave some exhortations. Well, of course he did. Of course he did. So he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. See, <clears throat> if I love the Lord my God and I come across an exhortation, a commandment, a law in the, in the Bible, I, I don't like freak out. Actually, I do the opposite. I assume that it's there for my good. Amen. Or, and, or, and, or, I assume it has something to do with walking in love because I've been on the planet long enough, I see it now, that all he ever really wanted us to do was to love him and to love our fellow man. That's really all he ever wanted. And so these, these laws that he pronounced were because, I mean, look, Cain kills Abel, well, he's got to say something, right? He just can't let this stuff go on. But that's exactly what they're doing in these United States. So God had, so was the law first or was Cain killing Abel first? Cain killing Abel. So something's got to be said. So there has to be some way to let people know that if you're going to walk in love, well, you're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor and you're not going to covet your neighbor's wife and you're not going to take the name of the Lord in vain. Do you understand? Yes. But he didn't, he didn't say why. He didn't explain why. He's got this strange thinking that he's God and I'm not. I don't know where that came from. Because, you know, in 2022, everybody's a little G-O-D. Unto themselves. So God oftentimes doesn't give you the why. 
Now, I've lived long enough. I've figured some things out. A few years ago, he encouraged me to give to a particular minister after I had come to the conclusion that that particular minister was not at Faith Christian Center level and we probably would not be supporting that minister in the future. And the Lord out of the blue comes along and, and speaks to me to, to give to him. And he doesn't tell me why. But I'm so blessed because way back in the 70s, I heard David Yonggi Cho, the pioneer and pastor until he went to be with the Lord of the world's largest church, still the largest church in the world, Seoul, Korea, full gospel, full gospel church, Yoido Island. And he said, I pray and I obey. And that marked me. So the Lord said to give that money, we gave it. It was only two or three years later that I saw why. Because I'm believing for a hundredfold return on that money at Faith Christian Center, for Faith Christian Center. So I call that guy's name every day. See, a lot of times, he, he doesn't, I was going to say a lot of times, all the time, nearly, he doesn't tell you why. He just thinks he's in charge. <laughs> and we should do what he says do. See, and, and when it dawned on me that, oh, because I'm believing God for a hundredfold return on this money at Faith Christian Center, and I do that until the hundredfold is knocked out, then I go to the next one and I work on that and believe it in. But when I saw it, I felt better. I thought, oh, I see that. You want, me to, you want me to call that guy's name every day? I see that. I see that. I see that. But he didn't tell me that when he said to give that money. He just said, give that money. So he comes along with things like, thou shalt not commit adultery, but he doesn't explain it. And this generation has a real problem with this. Well, who does he think he is? Well, he's the one that's got this place called hell. <laughs> and so I make it a rule to not jack with them. Amen. I don't know if you've ever visited anybody in jail. Don't raise your hand. We got a bunch of people here tonight I know been in jail. But I'm telling you what, even to go to the lockup downtown, it is completely unnerving to visit someone and, and hear the steel door clang behind you three times just to get to the visiting area. And every time I've ever been to a prison or a jail, I exhort myself, don't do anything that will get you in here. Do you understand? But... You can get out of that, but you can't get out of hell. See, man, man is an eternal being. See, God never had a beginning. God will never have an end. Human beings had a beginning, but human beings are made in the class of God, and we will never have an end. So when a human being decides to be a criminal, they have to be incarcerated forever. And, and heaven's going to be so wonderful because nobody will be messing with you. There'll be no phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, nobody trying to rip you off, nobody trying to scam you, no pickpockets, there'll be no Antifa, there'll be no uh, rioting, there'll be no looting. I mean, everybody just minding their own business. That's what's going to make heaven heaven. And all these people trying to run everybody else's life. They're all going to be in this place called hell. And part of hell being hell is everybody there trying to run everybody else's life. And they're going to be locked up forever. With this guy who's called Lucifer. Knowing 
that we're just footloose and fancy free in the city of God, that's, that's, that's going to be hard to take. Then you go to the last chapter of Isaiah. They're going to know we're in heaven because from one new moon to the next, he's going to march us out to look over the portals of heaven and look into the lake of fire and to see who's there. Pastor Gene, how come nobody's going to screw up in heaven? Well, because once a month, he's going to march us out and show us. So he gives these exhortations. He gives these commands. He gives these, uh, these rules, laws, commandments, whatever you want to call them, but he doesn't explain himself. He just says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving or deluding your own selves. He doesn't explain that. If you're not a doer of the word of God, you will never be able to grow your faith and you'll be a spiritual weakling all the days of your life. See, that's it, that's it, that's it. And I've just nearly come to the point where I think James 1.22 could be, might be, the most important verse in the New Testament but be doers of the word of God. And, and all of my life, look, I've been doing this now 49 years and three months. And I'm telling you what, it's, it's just pretty amazing. The resistance of God's people against anything having to do with a rule, a law, a regulation, a command, or an exhortation. I mean, it's just pretty amazing. And yet we obey all these other laws. Let me see your hand if you put your seatbelt on the way over here tonight. Let me see your hand if you put your seatbelt on on the way over here tonight. See, we obey all these other laws. We don't think a thing about it. We pay tax on our income. We, when you go buy something, and now, I used to love buying stuff out of state. That didn't work anymore. Because now, even if you buy something out of state, you got to pay tax on it. And then you get to December, you find out your property's taxed. While they're telling you what you can and cannot do on your own property. And depending on the state you live in, we got people watching online, and they live in a state where you can't even cut a tree down on your own property or trim a tree on your own property. Or put a, your kid can't even put a lemonade stand out on the street front in the summertime unless you get a, a license and a health department inspection and, and a colonoscopy and whatever else. <laughs> but we submit, you know, we just go along, you know, we just, we just do whatever, we just comply, you know, we do whatever we got to do. But when it comes to God, no, I don't want to hear that. No, I'm going to change churches over that. No, I, I don't even want to hear it, preacher. I don't want to hear about Malachi. I don't want to hear about Luke. Uh, I don't want to hear about giving a shall be given. I don't want to hear it. And they'll change churches. And then they'll go right down to the government office and fill out 15 pages of forms to get whatever. And what happens is they remain spiritual weaklings all the days of their lives because they never became strong in the Lord and in the power of their in the power of his might. They they never they never went they never did resistance training in the spiritual gym of the Holy Ghost called be doers of the Word of God. Amen. You know, we had a preacher visit come to the house last year and he sat at one of my my weightlifting things and he did one thing and he said, you know, you need more weight on here. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Do 45 and tell me about it. <laughs> Resistance training. In other words, something, uh, I'm doing something that maybe I wouldn't normally do because it's going to tone me up, maybe make me a tad stronger. And I don't know how many times in my life I've told the Lord, look, I don't see the reason you want me to do that, but I know it's you and I'm going to do it. And when, when, when prosperity really accelerated in this church and, and the, the men of this church really started making serious money, this was pre-COVID, 
was when I crossed the bridge and I told the Lord, I said, look, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. And I will do it without delay. And I will do it without hesitation. I will obey instantly. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And when I crossed that spiritual bridge, it was like we hit warp speed. It was astounding. So if you do not let Father God help you, if you do not obey, he, he won't help you. See, he wants to help us. Isaiah 119, and let's go back to the King James. Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And, and this is huge. Not just willing, obedient. Not just obedient, willing. Because a lot of those people, a lot of those people that we knew 30 and 40 years ago, a lot of those people, they were obedient, but they weren't willing. They have prejudices against healing. I've always been a rascal. When I went to Central Bible College, there was a little white book. It was called Bible Doctrines by P.C. Nelson. P.C. Nelson was one of the founders of the Assembly of God denomination. And in his little book, my, my copy is probably in Sue's office at the house now. My copy was a little white hardcover book. And I carried it to, I carried it to every class. And it was not a textbook in any class I had in two years. But I carried it to every class because anytime any of those Bible school professors would say that it was not the will of God to heal everybody, that healing was not in the atonement, I'd lift my hand and I would say, well, that's interesting because Dr. P.C. Nelson says on page such and such of Bible doctrines and I'd read it. But somewhere over time, they got off. And there's actually a prejudice against healing. And forget about that because then the next level is success and prosperity. They got a prejudice against healing. They got a prejudice against success and prosperity. And, and, and good people, wonderful people, born again people doing a good work. But look, if you have a prejudice against something you find in the word of God, you can't have it. And I could stand here tonight and I could name names of great men and they had a prejudice against prosperity. When it comes to the word of God, I've just, I just made up my mind in my 20s to, to not have a mind like that, to, to be of a mind that the word of God trumped everything. And if I could see it in the word of God, that I would not have a prejudice against it. If, it's, if God says it's mine, it's mine. So tell your neighbor, if God says it's mine, it's mine. So if you be willing and obedient, not just willing, obedient, not just obedient, willing. If you be willing and obedient. There are people here tonight and, and you know, God has blessed you to the limit of what he can bless you with because you're not willing. You're worried about what your neighbor will think. You're worried about what your relatives will think. When you go to Thanksgiving, I could care less. I literally, I have no regard. Listen, listen, listen. Lions do not concern themselves with the opinions of lambs. So the only opinion I'm looking for, the only opinion I'm dialed into, I mean, Sue, yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> is, is God, God, what's God, what's God's thinking of this? That's it. Because that's where the source is. That's where the blessings are. That's where the power is. That's how you walk with God in power. Is, oh my gosh, I'm back in First John. It's like I'm on Sunday morning. To be a God pleaser in a generation of man-pleasers. That's why we have power. I mean, think about these preachers. They're not worried about what God thinks. They're worried about what unsaved people at the mall think. Well, I, I got I to gotta give up the Bible. <clears throat> I got to give up offerings. I got to give up this. I got to give up that. Because, you know, unsaved people at the mall said in the survey, they don't like all that. And my thinking is exactly the opposite. If those people at the mall want to get saved, they get saved. But hey, 
I got to do what pleases God. End of story, end of game, like it or lump it, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to live a life pleasing to God. If you like it, fine. If not, hey, I lived a long time before I met you. And I'll live a long time after that. Do you see that? And what happens is, now I didn't see this when I was a young man. What happens is strength calls out to strength and we draw the strong. You've never sat in a church on a Sunday morning other than Faith Christian Center where there were as many men as women present. You've never sat in a church with as many veterans as a percentage of the congregation of faith, as Faith Christian Center has. Strength. I didn't know that when I was a young man. I was just being, you know, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But over the decades, I saw that strength calls out to strength. And here they come. Now, weakness, strength. Yeah, to be a God pleaser. Say it out loud. I want to be a God pleaser in a generation of man pleasers. I mean, why do you think, I mean, I'm not traveling now, but for, let's say years ago, why was it a rare thing for me to, I mean, I went and did missions. I, did, I was not a missionary, but I did the work of a missionary. I was not an evangelist, but I did the work of an evangelist. But outside of that, why do you think I wasn't often invited here or there? Because who says I could empty churches? Because I just walk right in and say, thus saith the Lord. And, and preach with abandon. See, you're used to it. But most people aren't used to it. Amen. And I know there's all this reaction to him, but I love him. I think he's wonderful. He loves us and he only wants what's best for us. Now listen, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to teach it this way. God never gave a rule or a regulation to curb sin that was not for our benefit. It is all for our benefit. Because does it matter to him if we go rob a bank? Does it matter to him if we cheat on our spouse? Does it matter? No. So every rule, every, every law, every regulation he gave to curb sin, and yes, there is a, a thing called sin, was not for his benefit, it was for ours. Same thing with giving. It's not for, God does it, God, God, I just read that passage the other night about he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold is mine, the silver is mine. He doesn't need our stuff. It's not about that. It's about the heart. For where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. And look, every offering is a, is a heart test to see what we'll do. And I am convinced that sometimes God has come along and told me to give money for no other reason but to see if I'd do it. It wasn't even about the project or the other guy or the evangelist or the missionary or me being behind or whatever. It, it God just to see if I'd do it. Like I said, I think it was Sunday. I've not been tested in a long time. But there have been times in my life I knew it was a test. And the bigger heartbreak is... That morning, February of 1997, when he told me to give the money to put the roof on Missionary Bud Sickler's church in Mombasa, Kenya, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was way down the list. And he had spoken to this one, and he had spoken to that one, and, and, and I don't know. Was I on page two? Was I on page three? I don't know. But I knew in my spirit, man, that I was way down the list. And after he life coached me, he had to life coach me. He said, you don't think you can do it, but I'm telling you, you can. I said, I'll do it. And I 
felt the pleasure of God. See, to me, you know, uh, I could come in here and make somebody happy. Maybe I'd wear a bun on my head or, uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how I could make people happy, but that's not what interests me. What interests me is when he smiles at me, when I catch his favorable attention. That's what, that's what interests me. And so at the end of the day, it's about a right heart. And it's, it's actually more than that, because while I said that, it's about a right heart. He's reminding me what Isaiah says, if you be willing and obedient. So not just obedient, because we all know wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Let me, let, let's do a show of hands. How many of you know several wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christians, and they don't have two nickels to rub together? Let's say, let's say that. I got my hand up. Raise it up. Don't be ashamed. You know what it is? Nearly everybody in the room. Well, it ought not be that way. I said it ought not be that way. How many of you know wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christians and you've never heard them tell a healing testimony, but you have heard them tell about their surgeries? <laughs> Nearly every hand in the room. Now, are we against surgeries? We're for surgeries, but I sure would like to avoid them. Thank God, thank God, thank God. You know, if somebody can get some help, thank God for it. But I just soon skip the whole endeavor. Not even pay the deductible. Amen? So not just willing, say it out loud. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Not just willing, not just willing. Obedient. obedient, not just obedient, not just obedient. Willing. willing. You have to understand, and I know I'm out of time, you have to understand, you know, Sue brought up Sunday, it was on my mind. I think I mentioned it in a message, or maybe that was last Wednesday. You know, starting out and getting two-for-one Parton's Pizza off the, at the pizza parlor on McCart, you know, and it was cardboard. And uh, But we, we never saw any of this. We never saw any of this. We never saw any of this. And there's nothing like it. Oh, let me brag on God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Starting out and living a life of faith. Have faith in God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And just seeing what God will do. You youngsters starting out, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And just see what God will do. But you can't be hedging your bets. Can't cheat God. Can't have prejudices against what you find in that Bible. You got to be all in. I'm all in, Father God. I got nowhere else to go. I got no plan B. I got nowhere else to turn. I'm in your hands. I never saw it. I never saw it. I never saw it. We just headed out. We were doers of the written word of God. And then we followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when I talk like that, I'm not talking about being a weirdo. And this is... One of the lines of demarcation between Faith Christian Center and other full gospel ministries. Because a lot of people, you know, they talk about the Holy Spirit, but there's no tangible fruit. And they just seem like a bunch of weirdos. 
And I may not be weird at all, but I got a lot of fruit. I like that. My God, my God, my God, what a journey. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith to start with nothing. All we had was $400. Sue's grandpa gave us as a wedding gift. I, I had a young gal in the church chastise me. Well, if you made all that money selling cookware in Bible school, how did you start out your married life with only $400? I said, well, we had no debt. Sue's wedding ring was paid for. Had no debt on college. Had no debt. I had a $600 Firebird. No debt. Get that red, sexy Firebird out of your mind. It was this, it was this, it was this horrible army green uh, three-speed on the column. They sh it should never have been built. And I mean, because, you know, I, I didn't know God then like I do now because, you know, I'd have believed God for a Camaro 68 Rally Sport or something, you know, or a Chevelle SS, I mean, or a goat. I mean, I knew cars. But that's what I could buy. That's what I, that's what I had. That's, that's when we started out. And my God, my God, my God. The windows of heaven opened up above us. And the Lord began to, it didn't happen, it didn't happen quick. It wasn't a microwave two minutes. Didn't happen instantly. Level by level, line upon line, precept upon precept. You obey him here. He blesses you a little more. And you know what? Listen, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I know I'm out of time. I was telling Aaron Wood yesterday and Adrian. I could not count the men in my lifetime, I have seen God bless with too much, too fast, and they wrecked themselves. God didn't wreck them. They wrecked themselves. And so whenever in my lifetime, Sue and I have agreed on this decades ago, that if it seemed like the blessings of the Lord were dragging a little bit to not complain and, and don't open your mouth and don't grumble, trust him, trust him, trust him, because we don't want to get blessed fast and easy and shipwreck our lives. Amen. So I trust him and his pace is fine with me. Amen. 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 My God, my God, my God, how we have seen them wreck and ruin their lives, ruin their marriages, ruin their ministries, uh, children won't talk to him. I'm talking about people in the ministry. And trust him, trust him, trust him, follow him. Amen. Because he loves you. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving, deluding your own self. See, every time, every time, and it's not just money, but John Osteen used to teach that the Lord will speak to us about money more than anything else. And he said he had two ideas why. One, we handle money every day. We need money every day. We handle money every day, but also because of what Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the Lord will speak to us about money more than anything else, but he'll speak to us about other things. He'll speak to us to ask somebody's forgiveness. He'll speak to us, you know, when our children were little, the Lord would get after me about speaking too harshly to them and to go and to make it right. And we made it a point to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I remember once I was washing a car and Austin came over to help me. He was just a little guy, five, six maybe. And he gets a, a, a brass brush out, you know, that was for the tires or the wheels or whatever. And he starts, you know, uh, doing the back bumper on this car. Uh, it was a Firebird. And, and I spoke harshly to him and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you don't even care about that car. You're going to sell it. But he said, that's your son. I followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I made it right. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now don't be like weirdos. One of our early acquaintances in the ministry was a 
structural engineer named Harry Kahn. And he told us this story one day at lunch, and I'm going to quit with this. He was just horrified because his daughter was in college at some northern university, and she called one day and she said, Dad, I want to ask your permission to spend some money. He said, Gracie, you can spend whatever you want. He, she said, I know that, Dad, but this is for somebody else because my roommate doesn't have a winter coat and it's cold. It's wintertime. So, Daddy, I want your permission to buy her a coat on my credit card. He said, sure, Gracie, go ahead. And then a day or two later, she called back. She said, Daddy, I'm so horrified. I said, he said, why? Well, she, she said, we, I took her to the mall, and, and she, she's walking through the mall, and, and she did this herky-jerky motion and said, you know, third coat on the right, and went over there. And she said it was, the, it was the ugliest coat in the entire department store. It was absolutely hideous. And Daddy, I'm calling to ask your forgiveness because I wasted your money. <laughs> and we talked about that that day at lunch. See, God's, God's not like that. Don't be the weirdo. Tell your neighbor, don't be the weirdo. Tell, tell the neighbor on the other side, don't be the weirdo at Faith Christian Center. When I was a young man, when I was a young man, I have to admit, you know, there was fear in my heart, you know, that God would have me marry some ugly girl and make me go to Africa to be a missionary. He did make me go to Africa to be a missionary, but, you know, I, I married a hot chick, so I was okay. As long as I could go with this hot chick, you know, I, I was good to go, you know. But I learned over the, over the time, and I'm telling you, if you ever paid any attention to a silver-haired guy, trust him. Trust him, trust him, trust him. See, I could mess you up. I could say, go buy the blue Ford, when really you should have gone and bought the red Chevrolet. But he knows all. And he loves you. And he's for you. So trust him.